Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. All right, well, here we are in 2023, and Craig and I were talking about what movie would we do next. I had a few things on the list that I wanted to see, and uh, one of them is called Death Spa from 1988. I don't really remember how I found this movie. I think I was looking at theme movies for theme months, and I noticed that at least one movie took place in like a spa, (laughs) like a workout place. There's a movie called Killer Workout. There's this one, Death Spa. We did the Toxic Avenger, a lot of which took place in a workout facility. Yeah. I think there was one other one. There's like one called Murder Rock, which is from Lucio Fulci, which is kind of a musical. Random. Yeah, very random. And I found this one and I um, acquired it a while ago and it had been on my list and I keep forgetting about it. And I just felt like I was in the mood for a cheesy 80s slasher movie. Craig was willing. And I don't regret it one bit. Uh-uh. Not one bit. This, <laughs> oh, my God. This may be one of my all-time new favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost everything I had hoped it would be and so much more. It didn't disappoint to the very last frame. <laughs> uh, and I'm so excited to talk about this with you. And you texted me. And I don't know if you had finished watching the movie or you were in the middle of it, but you texted me saying, I've never been so excited to record in a long time. <laughs> I was. I wanted to do something fun too, because uh, I feel like the last couple of movies we've done, we just haven't really liked all that much. So I wanted to do bad. something fun. So like, I was looking, I was googling so bad, it's good movies and stuff, and uh, I shot you a couple of suggestions, and you sent this one back and another one, and I hadn't heard of either of them. So we picked this one for convenience because it was readily available. You can stream it on several platforms for free and do it because this yes. movie <laughs> is amazing. It is do it now. bananas. Seriously, do it right now. Don't watch and don't read anything about it. Now, I only read the synopsis, I think, on IMDb, which is really vague. After the movie, I looked it up on Wikipedia, and the uh, synopsis gives more away. And part of... <laughs> The reason that I liked this so movie is because it is just wackadoodle. Like the it first, is so crazy. The first forty-five minutes or so, I'm like, "What? This is kind of stupid." <laughs> like, and I was like, "I, I don't, I don't really get it. I don't really get what's going on." And then there came a part where I was like, "Oh." I get it. I see what the twist is. I know what's going on here. And then for the last thirty or forty-five minutes, the whole time I was like. What? (laughs) (laughs) It definitely takes some turns. And like when it became apparent what was actually happening. Oh my God. It was, uh, it was so good. And the, the last 30, 40 minutes of this movie are crazy. And I loved every minute of it. I was like cheering and hysterically laughing out loud. So funny. Oh man. This movie has so much heart to it. I just had to look up and find out as much as I could about the people who made it because I can't believe I've never heard of this before. I know. This is not talked about extensively in the horror community. This movie, as I mean, as far as I know, I mean, maybe I'm just in the wrong circles. Uh, it needs to be a cult classic if it's not already. It really should be. I mean, it's it's crazy. It, it reminds... I don't know. It doesn't remind me of anything because I've never seen a movie just like it. But it's crazy in the way that society was crazy. Or yes, uh, you know, David Yesna. It's it, it feels like a David Yesna kind it of does. movie. Night of the Creeps kind of thing. Maybe uh, yeah, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Four, or whichever one yes. of those he did. It's 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 crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and really, when it boils right down to it, the concept is very simple, but they tease it out for a really long time, mm-hmm. and then they take a very simple concept and like just go nuts. Like, what can we do? Like, <laughs> yes, uh, so much fun. Well, it has an interesting backstory. There's this guy named Walter Shenson who was most famous for producing the early Beatles films, like A Hard Day's Night. Yeah. He was he's a very well respected British producer. Made tons of money off of that. He still his estate still has the rights to those. That was before the Beatles were famous in the US. So that was a good call. Anyway, he had been uh, got, became good friends with this producer called Jamie Beardsley, 
who had not done a lot, um, did did a movie called The Munchies. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not sure if Jamie Beardsley is a male or female. I'm just going to say... They? <laughs> him, just to be clear. Yeah. Jamie really wanted to do a horror movie and had been talking with, with uh, Walter Shenson about it. And there's this Austrian guy who came into the picture who is a theater producer slash director uh, there in the States who had just somehow really bonded with Shenson. And his name was Michael Fisher, and he ended up directing this movie. So yeah. Shenson recommended Fisher. Beardsley put together, uh, they kind of chatted amongst themselves and decided, well, what kind of horror movie are we going to make? And they decided to latch on to the health craze that was so popular yeah. and set it in a health spa. They enlisted a writer, James Bartruff, who had never written any screenplays before, to write it as like a ghost story. So there's like a ghost in this health spa. It got finished in 1983, but quite frankly, wasn't very good. So they set it aside while they worked on a movie called Echo Park. And then they brought in another writer named Mitch Paradise, which is a fantastic name for writer. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Paradise came in. He said he completely rewrote it. He said it's uh, honestly, it's just an act of charity that uh, James Bartroff's name is still on it because they co they co-credited it to James Bartroff. Uh -huh. And apparently uncredited, they brought in a famous film critic from The Hollywood Reporter named Kirk Honeycutt uh, to do a final polish on it. So they had this script that is so wackadoodle and so fun, and I think that is, like, at the heart of this. The other thing about the movie that I think makes it work really well is it's done very earnestly. Apparently, they all just had a ball working on this. Michael Fisher is just loves this movie from start to finish. Just so proud of it. The producer's proud of it. Everybody's really proud of what they came up with because they said that they accomplished exactly what they set out to do. That's funny. Yeah. And then you look at the, at the people in this movie and <laughs> go, to the, go to the IMDb page and just click one at a time through all the characters, of which, by the way, there are like a thousand. Yeah, a bunch. But almost all of them have gone on, either just before this movie or after this movie, have gone on to be working actors in television, in the movies, video game voicing, and, and all that stuff. Almost everybody involved here is maybe not, you know, the name at the top of your list. There are no, like, Will Smiths or anything in here. <laughs> but there are people who are continuous working actors. And so it's just, it's going to be so much fun to talk about this. Like Ken Forsey from Dawn of the Dead and several of Rob Zombie's flicks is plays yeah, a guy. Is he, the, is he the, the big black guy, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah, Marvin in there. I recognized him. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we not long ago did um, Uninvited, right? Remember Uninvited? Also yeah. one of our absolute favorite hilarious movies. And Catherine, the woman ghost in this movie, I guess you could say. Sherry Shattuck who was in Uninvited, and she ever since has been all over television. But in this movie, apparently her, her voice was dubbed by another actress. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, you could kind of tell. Mm -hmm. Her name sounded familiar, but I, I couldn't place her. Um, it's funny that you said no Will Smiths, because Karen Parsons, this was her first movie, and she played his um, cousin on Fresh Prince. Uh, she was his, like, rich, snooty cousin, Hillary. Hillary, right. Uh -huh. yeah. And this, this was her first thing. I didn't recognize her. I, it wasn't until after... Uh, it wasn't until after I read that she was in it and I looked her up and I, oh yeah, she was that girl. She was a funny part. Apparently some NBC executive saw this movie on late night cable and called her up based on her performance in here, which isn't a big role. No, but... she has a small role. Yeah. It's a funny role. This is, it's a funny movie. Oh, it's and so funny. I couldn't tell. I'm glad to hear you say that they got exactly what they were going for because I kind of couldn't tell because it's played straight. Like, mm -hmm. everybody plays it super straight, and it really seems like they are giving the, their all. But at the same time, it's so campy. It's one of the campiest things I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And it's hilarious with uh, just gags, like gags that would fall flat in other places. Like, this is what... Frankenstein General Hospital dreamed of being, you know, yeah. like like silly, goofy, you know, and lots of boobs and dance aerobics and like, <laughs> it, this, this movie has everything. <laughs> oh, it does, and it's such a time capsule of like our favorite era. <laughs> you uh -huh. know, there are beautiful people in here. There are tons of there's tons of nudity in this. There is loads of gore. Apparently, when they were shooting this, they just had buckets. They had 
like a special effects team, a VFX team, and like a blood team. Uh, all they did was manage the blood and mop up the blood. And they were talking about how they would come to a shoot and just be drenched with the blood. Like the crew had to wear ponchos and booties and stuff on their feet. But because they were shooting this in a, a spa, it was basically an old spa that had long closed. Uh-huh. So they were able to just kind of do whatever. They could just kind of mop things off the floor pretty quickly. Uh, but they said that the shoot was just like, I think it was one of the actors who walked into the movie. He plays, he has a very small role too, which I was kind of surprised by. Uh, I, David Shaughnessy? Yeah. He played Freddy, the curly haired guy. Oh, yeah. Who seems early on like he's going to be a bit of comic relief, but then he's barely in it. Uh-huh. But but this guy apparently walked into the set on the first day and was like, oh, so this is the kind of movie we're making. <laughs> <laughs> He has an extensive resume after this. Uh, he actually played Didymus and a few other characters in Labyrinth uh, before he came into this movie. Oh. And then he just became a voice actor for the last 20 years. He has been in all the most famous video games. If you name a video game, he's had a voice in it. It's kind of insane. Grand Theft Auto, you know, Mass Effect, D- D- Destiny, all these games, Tomb Raider. You name it, he's played something in it. So, uh... That you know, it's it's just kind of funny how so how so many people from this movie went on to have great careers, especially after this movie. <laughs> I Which, know. It's, I still like my mind is blown that I've never even heard of this movie. I, I and I feel like it's not super well known because I, you know that I watch tons of you know yes, like documentaries about horror movie. You know, and uh, the the hundred greatest horror movies you've never seen. I've never heard of this and it's crazy and i can't wait to tell everybody i know about it i know right (laughs) it's on my list it's it's on my list for sure it's low budget yeah it it was only like a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar budget and that's fine like you can kind of tell but at the same time it's skillfully done like there's some really good camera work in it there's awesome camera work in here yeah and the effects are all practical and (laughs) on the one hand they look kind of awful and on the other hand, in the most excellent way. Like, yes. <laughs> it, it seems like a, an effect that you and I and Heather would set up and then execute it and it would go right and we would cheer and jump up and, like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. it's, just, it's just, like, these fun, crazy explosions and people's heads blowing off and... Uh, oh, it, man. And, and it's, it's all so bizarre, like, ba- because of the premise, because what it... Even though this is only teased for the first half of the movie, it ends up that it is, it's just a haunted house movie, except it's not a haunted house. It's a haunted health spa. Mm -hmm. But because it's a haunting, they can do whatever they want. There there are no rules, you know, like supernatural things can just happen. So, you know, somebody's head can just blow up for no reason, or an entire wall can shatter and explode right in front of somebody and just completely obliterate them and that's that's fine it's it's just the world that we're in oh i love it and and when you get to that last part which i know i'm getting ahead of myself but it's all lit in neon and you're right it's in an 80s hell spa and all the women are in those you know like leotards high and... cut leotards you know oh man <laughs> high cut on the <laughs> sides um that i mean it does it, it looks just like the exercise videos that were advertised on TV incessantly in the 80s and that ran on TV. And uh, it, it, you're right. It's a total time capsule uh, of of that time. And we remember, I mean, this was a big deal, like this health craze. Yeah. Especially, I think it came out mostly, came out of Los Angeles, but it was all over the country. Mm-hmm. You know, middle-aged housewives were doing jazzercise in their living rooms everywhere jane fonda workout i did it with my mom oh gosh yeah it's just so nostalgic i i i don't know where to begin to it's great and as a kid i don't know you know viewing this from afar never ever having been to a health spa actually even as an adult i've rarely been to a health spa but like as a kid they they were seen as like the coolest thing like it seemed to be just endless rooms of machines and exercise and, and hot tubs and saunas and pools and things like that that you would just go like a little mini resort in the middle of the city and just socialize and hang out and bars where they would juice things up for you, you know, and it just seemed really, really cool. And this movie makes this health club seem really cool. It looks like it's packed to the gills every day. 
with it looks doing. like what we thought they were like. I don't know what they were really like. I never really went to one either, but it looks like they were portrayed in all of these movies. And of course, you know, it's a movie, so everybody in there looks like they don't really need to be at a health spa. Like they're, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> then again, I guess the people who frequent gyms are probably the people who look like that. But that's true. Uh, that's well, yeah, point. I mean, and you're right. It's 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 packed all the time. The gimmick behind this particular health spa, which I totally believe from the 80s, is that it's entirely automated. Like, all of the equipment is automated and computerized. So, like, you have to have, like, a key card that you have to scan the machines. And I I guess it probably has your workout information or whatever. And so it's all tailored to you. Yeah, it sets the weights and everything for you, which are, like, hidden behind the wall even, right? The resistance, the weights, everything like that. Right. Like all these at first, you know, the opening shot when it first kind of pans through the building, which is an awesome shot, by the way, I looked at I was kind of skeptical. I was like, why this this looks weird. Like there are fewer machines than I would expect in a health club. And then the bits are kind of jutting out from the wall. You know, I'm like, where would you set the weights? What would you do? I I was really skeptical at first when I saw it. And I thought, oh, man, this is going to be super lame. Like these people don't even know how to put a set together. But then. You know, once it was explained, it was actually really cool. And I would say forward thinking for the time. Yeah. I mean, it's actually pretty clever. For the time, it probably felt a little bit sci-fi. You know, yeah. looking at it from 2022, I- I'm sure there are gems like this. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, exactly. Uh, but you're right. Uh, maybe a little bit uh, ahead of their time in their thinking, which is creative and, and original. I had never seen anything like it before. It was a, it's a fun setup. Yeah, it really was. And that opening shot, oh my gosh, I was so impressed. Oh, the music's good too, by the way. It opens up with this kind of creepy music, and it's this huge crane shot that apparently they had to get a, a, a really tall cherry picker used for construction to, to, to get the shot, to get up high enough, and a steady cam operator up on there. And it's this huge shot that just pans kind of across L.A. as it slowly comes down onto this spa, which is called the uh, the Star Star the Body, Star Health, Body spa. Health Spa. And this yeah. lit up sign, but it's nighttime, so everybody's leaving. And it's a dark and stormy night. <laughs> There's flashes of lightning every now and then. And as it comes down to the spa, you know, the last few people are leaving and they get in their car and they drive off, but the camera is still moving. And uh, eventually, like, a lightning bolt hits the, the sign, which it sparks, and it messes up the neon on the sign so that it, Star Body Health Spa says, Death Spa. It's great. <laughs> which was so clever and perfectly yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. It was awesome. I was like, okay, this, this, this is going to be cool. Then it slowly goes into the spa. We're getting the credits and the music, and it's just taking us through just a little bit of the layout of the, of the front here. And then we see that there's actually a girl inside, like like a last person to leave, um, kind of through one of the windows. Yeah. And she's dancing. There's quite a bit of dancing in this movie. There is a lot of dancing. It's not bad. I mean, you know, she's dancing, exercising, whatever, by herself in there in the dim dimness as the lights are all coming off. <laughs> and then she takes a sauna naked. Yeah. And it's so gratuitous. Like, oh, God, but that's, yeah. I, everything about this, there is so much gratuitous nudity it's fantastic. in this movie. It's great. It's so 80s. I absolutely, like, of course, you know, this woman, I, I didn't write down any of their names because I didn't recognize This was Laura, right? Her, this was Laura, and it turns out that she is the girlfriend of the manager uh, yes. or the owner. She's the last one there. She's got her own key. She can let herself out or whatever. But she takes, you know, she goes into the sauna and is completely nude, lay out completely flat in the sauna and the camera just pans over her entire naked body also (laughs) running her own hands across her body i literally thought she was gonna start masturbating i thought so too it was like it was almost (laughs) like it was almost like that hand was like looking at us being like, oh, you see where I'm going? Oh, wait, no, psych. And her body was like impossibly dewy. I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. Like, somebody is standing right off camera like spritzing this woman. <laughs> uh, and, and and don't get me wrong. She's gorgeous. She has a beautiful body. It's 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 excellent 80s gratuitous nudity. I was, I was completely 100% down oh. for it. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, this sets the tone for the whole movie. I mean, this is like the first five minutes. And Laura, by the way, is p- played by Brenda Vackey, who is in Hot Shots Part Due, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, Under Siege 2, was all over television, has got a ton of roles, is still working today. Yeah. She is visited before she pops in there by uh, Marvin, who is uh, Ken Forey, who I mentioned earlier. And yeah, he, yeah. I think... It's kind of a, a cool scare, right? Because we got this POV that just looks like a camera POV. 
And then somehow in the middle of it, it becomes like a person's POV. And then we see the shadow come up from behind her. But, you know, it's just this guy who's helping her close for the night. He works there. Yeah, he works there. It's, it's like a personal trainer or maybe like an assistant director. I don't or know. Something. It's hard to say. That's the thing. We just watched some movie where there were so many characters and we're like, there are so many characters and I don't care about any of them. That's kind of the case here, too. Like, there are so many characters. It kind of took me a long time to keep track of who everybody was, but yeah. I didn't really care. Like, yeah. <laughs> in, in this case, I didn't so much care. Like, okay, there's like three blondes. You know, like three <laughs> tall, skinny blondes with big boobs. Which one is which? I don't really care. Like right. that's the, this movie doesn't require a lot of <laughs> thought, character depth. Yeah, it doesn't, and it doesn't matter. It, right, it doesn't, and, and I feel like that almost sounds hypocritical because I was just so critical of another movie for doing the same thing, but it's a completely different tone. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie about watching people die in interesting and creative ways. And the whole first part, like I really didn't know what was going on. Like she's there in the sauna and then all of a sudden, and we've seen this before, there's too much steam um, and it's getting too hot or something. I think it was like smoke. Well, it turned out to be a vapor, right? It turned out to yeah, be yeah, it did something else. But yeah, you're not quite sure. I, I wasn't sure if it was like poison gas yeah. or if, it, if she was too hot or whatever. She just jumps up and screams and smashes a window, but you know, f collapses to the floor anyway. And then it cuts to what becomes our main character, I guess, Michael, um, who is the club owner, and he's sleeping on a couch, but he's dreaming of someone on fire, and I'm like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had to like rewind. I had to click that little like go back thirty seconds button on this movie so many times because I what is if I looked away for a second and I would look back and something totally bonkers would be going on and I would have no idea what was going on and then I would rewind it and it's like oh there is no context it's just a random flash of somebody completely aflame and then. He wakes up, I guess. I actually thought this was smart because, you know, we see these little flashbacks where clearly like his brain is is bothered by something and his past or whatever. Or he's having these recurring dreams and we get a little bit more information with every single one of them until finally we see what happened. Right. In a movie like this, I thought that was rather smart, actually. And he's played by William Buemiller, who was all over TV in the 80s and 90s. He did a stint on Days of Our Lives. I didn't know if you... Knew that. I know. I saw that. But he played like four different characters. So I have a feeling he was just an extra. <laughs> oh, OK. He wakes up and uh, it took me a while to figure out the relationships here, too. I know it, because ultimately it doesn't really matter. Like so he he owns the place. There's a brunette lady called Priscilla, who's the manager. He has a lawyer named Tom who hangs yeah. around there sometimes and then there are two like detectives Lieutenant Fletcher is like an older kind of I don't know pudgier guy. balding white guy and, yeah. and like then there's Sergeant Stone who's like the tough as nails black lady uh -huh. uh, totally playing you know not necessarily to racial stereotypes but like these are the detectives that you see in every movie oh from yeah the 80s. exactly and so they're like investigating because laura it turns out that the reason that she was freaking out is was because it was like condensed chlorine gas mm -hmm. um and and it burned her skin her skin is mostly okay but her eyes are burned she's gonna be <laughs> fine but she has to walk around blindfolded for the rest of the movie for the rest of the movie which is interesting it leads to some really interesting situations yeah and she has to walk around the house that she either lives in it's it's her boyfriend's house i don't know if she lives there or not but she's there for most of the movie it's like a multi-level house where none of the levels have railings so yes, like <laughs> it's the worst house for a, a blinded person to be poking around in. They, they would probably, she, why she didn't fall to her own death. She would be dead. Just walking around the house to the kitchen to get a snack. You know, I think it was kind of weird. It was an awesome looking house, though. Sergeant Stone was Rosalind Cash. She was Lisa in Omega Man, the original Charlton Heston one, which was one of my oh. favorite movies growing up. And do you remember Tales from the Hood? The last yes. segment, I think, where the guy goes down and there's like some doctor is talking to him about, yes. you know, that's her. Yeah. And I remember talking about her at the time. She had done a lot of TV uh, in the 80s, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and the same deal with Lieutenant Fletcher, this Francis X. McCarthy guy, over 140 credits in and out of every television show you could think of in the in the 80s, all the way up to today. He's still on TV. Yeah. Al almost all of these people 
either had been working and are still working or are still working, sadly, except for the other kind of main character, even though he really probably only has five minutes of screen time total. Mm -hmm. Um, But David is the computer programmer of the, you know, like he controls all this stuff in the gym. Yeah, he designed it. He designed it. He's played by a guy named Merritt Buttrick who passed away, like, right after this came out. And he was young. I twenty nine. I didn't read what happened to him. Did you? Yeah. Um. It's toxoplasmosis, which is kind of like um, a parasite that you get from food poisoning generally. Oh wow. Which normally is no big deal. You don't even notice it. But because he uh, had AIDS, it uh, uh it's an it's you know specifically targets your immune system and and so gotcha. That's pretty tragic. He was in Star Trek two and three. Uh huh. He was the son of Captain Kirk, I believe, in those movies and seemed to have a rising career when he died. He's also in Fright Night, too, I guess. But yeah, I haven't seen that. I don't know if I have either. He didn't look familiar to me, but he was a young, handsome guy. I mean, it's it's too bad. Yeah. He plays a weirdo in this movie. It's also super convoluted because we what's his name? Michael is with Laura, but... He's also a recent widower. His wife, Catherine, is dead. We don't know what happened to her yet, but Catherine was David's twin sister. Yes. And, <laughs> like, I don't even... what Because David and Michael kind of have this um, weird conversation because... Um, Michael thinks that maybe the computer had something to do with it, or maybe David had something to do with it. You're here because you know the system and because you're Catherine's brother. Both circumstances must be terribly trying for you. If I thought for one moment that you put chlorine in the steam... You resort to the only weapon in your pathetic arsenal? Jock violence. I think there's a glitch in your precious system. That's impossible. Why are you so full of hate? You found some comfort for your sorrow, I notice. And Laura was always there for you, wasn't she? She and others. I loved Catherine. She never wanted that child. How do you get things so twisted up? We shared thoughts you'd never understand. That some of the dialogue in this is golden, golden. absolutely golden, because it is so terrible. Uh And it's just like, it's so badly written and then delivered with absolute sincerity it's great. Uh, it's fantastic so there's a dead wife but the dead wife has a twin sister and the, the twins are like they have telekinesis and, yeah oh, it's it's, twin it's brother. so good yeah it's it's nuts so yeah you're kind of confused but it all kind of comes together and i mean basically what it is is and and we learn this over time based on various people's comments and the investigation that kind of ensues and the the cops asking the questions the fbi investigators asking the questions is that David's wife was pregnant with apparently a child she didn't want. And in the childbirth, there was some complication that led to her breaking her lower back. And maybe it was an epidural that went wrong or something like that. Anyway, she ended up paralyzed. And lost the baby. And lost the baby, descended into depression, and then immolated herself. Like, took her wheelchair out to the field behind their house, dumped gasoline all over herself, and set herself on fire. Which he keeps dreaming about. Yeah. And and weird stuff keeps happening. I mean, that's the thing. Like, weird stuff keeps happening at the spa. But at one point, uh, Michael finds, like, a bird fetus or something. <laughs> it is, there was so much that I didn't understand. Bird nets uh, with a fetus in it in his, uh, in his office, which he gets really pissed about and immediately runs to David, believes that David put it there. Oh, God. And I was like, is that related to the baby he was talking about? I wasn't quite sure. What, what? I guess. I think so. And then we're like, uh, a diving board breaks. Like somebody messed with the bolts and a girl almost got hurt. <laughs> a girl fell in the water. Oh, my God. I, I couldn't. Yeah, she was, <laughs> she was on a high dive. She bounced like 10 times. <laughs> but then it broke and she fell in the water and you would think that she had I don't know. Uh, like hit concrete or something. Like, well, why was everybody so concerned about her well-being? She literally just fell into the water. <laughs> and then there's a gratuitous shower scene where every woman in the place decides to take a shower at the same time. And I read that, you know, they they, they called in extras from a porn casting company for this. <laughs> it kind of looks like it. Lots of big boobs. Mm-hmm. But during that uh, shower, the jets start shooting really hard and then 
tiles start shooting off the wall and cutting the girls up. But after that's over, Michael's like comforting the girls who were in there, and two of them were like, You two all right? Yeah, but to tell you the truth, Michael, this place could use better maintenance. Yeah, who needs weight reduction through terror? <laughs> I'm sorry about the showers. I want to extend your memberships for three months, no charge. <laughs> Drop by my office and I'll take care of it personally. Do you think you can handle both of us after jazz class tomorrow? Well, I can sure have fun trying. <laughs> 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 it's like they just shake this off. And yeah, <laughs> one of these is Hillary from the... Uh, from Fresh Prince. Uh-huh. And, and then, so it's these two girls, these two cute girls talking to Michael after they've just been assaulted by a, a ghost in the <laughs> shower. And this is all delivered as though people really talk like this. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in this club is very handsy and flirty with each other. Everybody in this spa of death, especially these two girls, it's like they're fighting to like, Get, even though everybody knows everybody, they're still trying to make it with Michael or something through this whole thing, it seems like. Both of them at the same time. He's not that good looking. I guess maybe he's rich. <laughs> he does have a nice house. Well, uh, then, then some guy named Robert gets <laughs> crushed in the weight machine. Oh my gosh. Loved that scene. The best thing about this movie is you know something bad is about to happen because the music changes to this very specific music that is absolutely sinister. He swipes his card on this weight machine, which is one of these, like, uh, where you pull your arms together in the front. Uh-huh. He sits down, and he puts his, I guess, I, I just had so many questions. He's doing this machine, and the computer goes, oh, the resistance is now 100 pounds. Now it's 130. Now it's 140. He's like, what? What? And he keeps doing his crunches, and finally he can't do it anymore. And he's like, ah, somebody help me. Somebody help me. Like, I guess the machine is pulling his arms back. It makes absolutely no sense. They're still parallel to him. And right. There's nowhere for them to go because it's right up against the wall. Yeah. So it's not like they can keep going back. They're just, yeah, it, but <laughs> it, can he just take his hands out? Just right. remove your arms from the machine and you're done. But no, instead his like rib cage like bursts open. But that was, and it looks, I mean, it looks like a somewhat cheap practical effect, but I loved it. I also, yeah. I loved the absurdity of it. Like, it was just absolutely absurd. It was. And I thought it was great. Like, I, I was laughing out loud because I thought it was so funny. Michael runs into David's room immediately after that, and he's blaming him. He thinks the computer had something to do with it. David's like, the computer had nothing to do with the accident. You can't blame the com- you, computer for, for tiles flying off the walls. The computer doesn't control tiles, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought about that for a minute. I was like, what does control the tiles? Now I want to know. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and so they think a possible solution would be to change all of the machines to manual. But Tom, the lawyer slash business partner, I don't really know. He says he doesn't want to do that because that would take away the only unique thing about the spa. He's shady. Yeah, it's nice that uh, Mike, you know, actually wants to correct this by disconnecting the computer, but it's against him. And I and I love what Tom says. Mike, the partners and I agree that nothing can ruin the success of the Mardi Gras party on Friday night. And I was like, oh, there's going to be a Mardi Gras party. This, yes. This movie is just full of happy surprises. Oh, it's glorious. I know. That's why the last half hour is so good. Oh, God. Uh, but then, so Mark brings Laura home. She's fine, except for she has to wear these big bandages over her eyes. So he gives her a gift wrap blazer with enormous shoulder pads in it. That she can't see. And then seductively feeds her asparagus in front of the fire. Oh, God, that's so great. It looks so awkward, but that close-up of that semi-limp asparagus. It looks like a parody of something. Yes, because it's a limp piece of asparagus. And he just puts the tip right on her lip, and she, like, flicks her tongue on it. (laughs) 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 And then takes a bite. She's like, mmm, sure beats hospital food. Oh, God, so stupid and so hilarious. Yeah. Oh, God. So then there's another girl, Marcy, alone in the locker room. I don't know who she is. I don't. She just kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> but the lockers start slamming, and, and she doesn't run or... She doesn't do anything. She just kind of looks around and kind of just gingerly backs up and doesn't realize that one of the lockers directly behind her is open and has an enormous spear coming out of it. I don't know. <laughs> it just... 
just for some reason the very locker she's standing in front of has this spear that shoots right through her neck. Uh-huh. So then, like, we don't see her again, but they kind of mention that she's missing. Yeah, we do actually. We see her dead body in the locker because it's apparently Laura's locker because Michael brings Laura back to the spa to, like, collect her things. Why? Yeah. What do you need? Which is weird because, okay, so they talking about how they haven't seen her for two days. Laura opens up the locker to uh, get her things, and that's creepy, right, because there's the dead body right in front of them. But now her face is messed up, too. That happens more than once. I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. That happens later with the pirate, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. weird. <laughs> the pirate. Yes, there's a pirate later. <laughs> <laughs> of course there is. But we do see, like, kind of our first indication that things are, are weirder than just the computer, like, malfunctioning because Michael is up in the room waiting because he has to unlock the lockers. He has to, like, override the master security uh-huh. or something for her to just open her locker. And he types on his computer, like, his password, which is Catherine, interestingly enough. And then later on, the computer shows a message that says, Michael, I miss you. And it turns on the security camera. And he can see there's this, like, ghostly figure walking down the hallway towards the locker room so he jumps up he runs down there and uh this figure is walking straight into the locker room he comes up behind it puts his arm around its neck and rips the mask off of its face and it's priscilla who just goes ha ha don't you like my mardi gras costume i've just tried it out what i don't know i yeah it was stupid i i, I honestly i mean it was a tense moment it was it was just a dumb payoff, but I. But again, I don't care. Like, no. I, I in a different movie, I would criticize it. In this movie, whatever, it's all par for the course. It can yeah. be as stupid as it wants to, and I don't care. Yeah. Then we see in a flashback, his wife burns herself. She, he says he feels her presence in everywhere, thinks that she's causing trouble. So he goes and sees Doctor Lido More, who is a paranormal <laughs> investigator who does psychometry, and he has a magic gun that can like sense the paranormal or something. Oh, God. It's so great. Mike gives him, like, a brooch of Catherine's or something, and he knows her entire story. Uh, He's like, "Uh, I see a bird's nest, because that's what she thought of your family. You were, you know, family making your nest, and it's so weird. And then it cuts to a scene where you don't see people you just hear people talking and it sounds like two people talking yeah and it's like in a messy house and there's like sex noises i I can't do this anymore jasmine we're hurting people yes you can That's better. They're so weak. And together we are so strong. <laughs> and I have in my notes, Catherine and David f***ing? Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Because <laughs> there were weird sex noises. I still don't understand I still, what was happening. I still don't understand why there were sex noises in that room. Oh, it's weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? I don't know. There's just, I feel like the end is the good part. I'm trying to think. Uh, one of those girls who wanted to have a three-way with Michael gets a note after her next workout that says, meet me in the basement, Michael. And so she goes down there and gets attacked by acid sprinklers? I guess, yeah, the sprinkler system is now have acid in it or something. I just feel, the movie just, it seems, red herrings isn't the right term, but I feel like there's a lot of misleading going on. Like, yeah. it, And they're trying, to, they're trying to make you think it could be a number of things. Like, David very ominously visits Laura and kind of menaces her, like, with a uh, screwdriver that she can't even see because she's still blind. Yeah. Um, And I guess he was there to do something to Michael's computer, but we never find out what, and we never really know what was going on. I don't know. There's just a lot of diversion stuff going on, which is great because then at at the end, I had no idea what was happening. Then the lawyer with Priscilla goes down and disconnects the computer from the air conditioning. I know. And I I was like, what are they doing? I I still don't understand why they did that. I do. They They explain it later. Oh, they were trying to sabotage the party, right? Yes. And when he confronts them with that, they're just like, yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's right. This is our plan all along. We and and I think that they confess to being behind the initial attack. Yeah. The chlorine stuff. So like th- that was them presumably. The the only thing is the Priscilla says well, she should have been fine because that door doesn't lock. So yeah. they weren't trying to hurt her. I think they were just trying to maybe scare her, have something go wrong. But still, something went not according to plan. But right. it, it just so happens that they are trying to sabotage the business so that it will go under and they can sweep in and buy it out from under him. Yep. Which I couldn't believe. It was so hilarious to me that he just is like, you did this, didn't you? And she, yep. <laughs> pretty <Exactly>. much <laughs> no no trying to no question skirt around it nothing nope nope oh, well God. then the paranormal investigator is walking around with his device he goes to the basement he discovers that girl's body which w- looked absolutely disgusting because apparently she's still alive still slowly melting like her heart is still beating. I know. she's making noises her heart and stuff. that we can see like she's completely melted oh, <laughs> like, it's so... like her bones are melted but she's still moving and making awesome. whimpering noises makes no sense but it's gross and awesome no it looks like uh, night of the living dead or something mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know it's it's silly and and awesome yeah i loved it but then it's my favorite scene when again we have this weird thing where it's the two voices and you hear the guy's voice say we should stop now i see their faces i hear their screams it's horrible and then the woman says well i'm tired of waiting for michael and then it cuts up like it had shown us Presumably a woman like shaving her legs or uh, putting lotion on her shaved legs or something. But then it cuts up and it's David yeah, sitting there and he just screams, no! Yeah. This is the part where in my notes I'm like, oh, okay, I have this figured out. I thought that I knew what was going on. I thought that he was crazy. Yeah. Me too. That it was like a multiple personalities kind of thing. Like, like a psycho kind of thing. Yes, exactly like a psycho thing. He had been traumatized by her death. They were so close. They had this connection that uh, he is lost his. He's broken with reality, and he's both of them. Nope. <laughs> no, because it doesn't explain. It doesn't explain what this uh, this figure does to the paranormal investigator. He grabs him, throws him all the way up to this high ceiling, just like with superhuman strength, and it falls down, and then. The paranormal investigator pulls out a gun, but his hand just explodes uh-huh. <laughs> and starts uh-huh. spraying blood everywhere. And then this figure that looks like a woman in a dress and everything, it looks like that Catherine figure we'd seen earlier, just starts chucking him around the room, like way up the top of these stairs, and he ends up dead. <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, is this paranormal? Like, what? He just, because even if it's David, like, he wouldn't have that superhuman strength to be able to do these things. Right. Why is the guy's hand exploding? You know? And <laughs> Michael thinks it's David. He's convinced that it's David now. And so he takes the cops to David's house. So many hilarious things. First of all, the cops pull in onto the street and like park in the middle of the street on a red zone, which just cracks me up for some reason. And then they follow Michael up to David's apartment and the door's locked and nobody's answering. So he goes, he looks at them and says, I'm going to break in. So they both turn around like, <laughs> like, um, we can't okay. be party to this. We can't see this. So we'll just turn our backs while you break in. Because this is how the FBI works. And then when he gets the door open, he like looks back and they look back. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and they go in and his apartment looks like it's been kind of packed up, like everything's covered in sheets and stuff. But he's obviously still living there. But they also see all these women's clothing. So they put out an APB for him. But the, the guy's like, uh, he's a small guy, slight build, 135 pounds, about 5'8". Oh, and get this, he might be in drag. <laughs> <laughs> so they thought the same thing that I did. They thought that, and I mean, it's kind of right, but not really. It's even yeah. better than that. Oh, it's way better. But that's that. when we get to the party. Mardi Gras. It's a Mardi Gras party. Uh-huh. So everybody is in costume and there's tons of people there. Like the whole place is packed and they've got music and people are dancing. It's so cool. And it's hilarious. And they've got like bars set up and... <laughs> 
I, oh, I, it's fantastic. And that's the whole last half hour, and it's just excellent. I just, I love it how the investigators show up and they spend about 30 seconds looking for who they think is Catherine. And the rest of the time, they're just hanging out at the party, uh-huh. helping to move beer around, drinking. But in the meantime, this Catherine figure is walking through and we yeah, see she's her just face walking around. clearly, right? They just miss her. She only died less than a year ago and she was the wife of the owner and nobody knows what she looks right. like. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. Unless they think somebody's dressed up like Catherine for Mardi Gras. <laughs> oh, that would be tacky. <laughs> but anyway, Michael tells a pirate to go guard the computer room. So there's a pirate guarding the computer room. And Catherine <laughs> goes in there and turns all of the computers on with magic, like with a wave of her hand. Uh-huh. And then she seduces the pirate by like sitting on the desk and like looking at him seductively. And I think she kind of goes in for a kiss, but instead she grabs his face and like crushes his head. Twists him <laughs> or something? I don't know. I don't the, know. The aftermath we see later looks really bizarre. It's like uh-huh. it's like his face has been mushed like putty in one direction. Actually, looks like the like the pig nose people from that famous Twilight Zone episode. I yes, yeah, yeah, it did. You only see it for a second, but you do see it for a second, and it, that is what it looks like. So then Catherine puts on the pirate costume and grabs Laura and ties her up to the tanning bed. In the, the tanning room. In tanning which, bed. which is the only room in this entire place that doesn't have people in it. I just thought it was funny that this whole tanning facility has one tanning bed. Well, and, and, and Laura, I think, kind of wakes up as she's getting tied up, maybe. And Catherine says to her, what a shock, poor dear. The dead, <laughs> the, the dead past returning to haunt you. And, and she, like, Catherine beckons Michael through the intercom. And so he goes to the control room and the printer is printing out, like, pages and pages of I miss you. And then Catherine is there. First she's not there. Then she is there. Uh, and she brings up video of Laura in the tanning bed. And she says, one click of a button and she's fried chicken. this whole scene is so surreal everything's lit in red she's in like a white gown Uh and she wants him to kill himself and and she says if you don't kill yourself i'll kill everybody she knocks him out and then we cut to tom the lawyer and priscilla it's not priscilla priscilla is the dark-haired one this is one of the blondes i don't know which one this was oh okay it was one of the hot blondes and there she's of course Fully naked. Uh-huh. He's wearing a towel around his waist. But they sit down and start to make out, and then something just... <laughs> what happens? <laughs> Does her head know. explode? Does so- to... like It seems like something shoots through the back of her head, but her whole head... His head. His I- head, right. I think... I think it was a piece of wood from the wall, because it's one of those saunas that's, you know, clad in wood. Because later, bits of wood are coming off the wall and kind of like... <laughs> and kind of all over her. But I had to rewind it twice and watch it in slow motion to see actually what happened to him. And I think that's what it was. Yeah, it's it's insane. And it's just like his whole head is just goo and she's screaming. Then it cuts away. And then my favorite in my... <laughs> In my notes, in my notes, I have Catherine is David? Question yes. mark. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> it's the best. This scene is so good. Like, I don't even remember why he, she, they are lying on the floor, writhing around. But like, they writhe one way, and it's David, and then they writhe the other way, and it's Catherine. <laughs> I know. It just keeps all going while, back and forth. All the while, uh, Mike is standing over them going, David, David, fight back. Fight back, David. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do it justice. We, no, we it's can't. Just... I, I, I'm sure it sounds really dumb, and it is really dumb, but it is so fun to watch. Like I swear to God, I, I haven't laughed so hard in a long time. Well, And half of what makes it fun is it's really well done, actually. Like... Uh huh. It's a good. It's a good editing job. It's quite skillful. It's really nice. Like it's you know it's goofy, but it actually looks convincing. Michael takes advantage of David's freakout, I guess, and runs out, smashes through the doors of the tanning parlor, unties Laura, and then immediately she's back there, uh, and nobody else is in the room. And she says, "Now is your chance, Michael. Come with me into the inferno. Come with me. 
and let's live forever in hell. <laughs> yeah, let's die together and live forever in hell. Yeah, it's great. I, I love before that, like when it was going back between her and David, and uh, I don't remember. <laughs> Michael said something to her like, uh, I'll do whatever you say, just let Laura go first. And she says, don't give me ultimatums. Like, just the, the lines were so funny and the it's delivery great. is so funny. And, and this ghost is just play. The lady who's playing this ghost is playing it so... All of them are playing it completely straight, and it's so silly. That's Sherry Shattuck, that. yeah. Oh, man, it's so great. Oh, okay, yeah, she's that's Catherine, right? Sherry Shattuck. Uh-huh. Um, I read somewhere that the girl, the lady who played um, Laura claims that she doesn't remember making this movie. <laughs> I don't know. How convenient for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's not bad in it. Everybody's fine. Nobody's terrible. Um, so after she says, let's die together and live forever in hell, Marvin bursts in and grabs her from behind, but she hurls him through a window. And then, like, she hurls him through a window into the party, and yes. then it just switches to another shot, and the party is just going on. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody I, cares at all that people are dying everywhere. I did begin to wonder when everyone was going to start to care because I was waiting for my pandemonium moment, right? And that happens right away. Like she says, fine, everyone in this place is going to die. But not before, wait, no, not before the, there are several good things that happen here. Um, after the guy gets thrown through the window, then <laughs> a blender eats a girl. <laughs> This this girl had That's after made all this. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this this bartender girl, she's like making a smoothie or something, and the her hand gets stuck in the blender, <laughs> and the fat cop is trying to help her get it out, but it goes on for it had to have been at least a minute and a half. Yes, and and she just like just. Take your hand out. Just take your hand out of the blender. <laughs> like, no, it's And there's so stuck. much blood. They're like wading in blood by the end. Oh, it's great. And then the investigator. Yeah, he gives up. And he gives up. And then. And then. <laughs> <laughs> and then the freezer door behind him shoots open, and all this cold air shoots at him, and he gets dragged into the freezer where he's. Assaulted I don't know. by fish. Fish. <laughs> <laughs> and not not only like this fish, oh. like this, it, it's just a fish carcass like lunges at him and bites his throat and, and he's holding it and it's flopping and, and the tail is like <laughs> flopping in his crotch and he dies and it's just, and blood is squirting everywhere. It's and fantastic. It just looks, it, oh, it, it's so great. And then uh, Priscilla... <laughs> Tom had knocked her out earlier for reasons unknown, but she comes to and she goes in to look at herself in the mirror in the bathroom and the mirror starts going all wonky and then explodes and it had to have, I have no idea how they did this, but it had to have been some big explosion right in front of some sort of dummy because it just blew that dummy to smithereens. Yes. She is just like disintegrated <laughs> by this mirror. <laughs> and that's what everybody sees, you know, this happening. And that's, I think, when the panic sets in. Finally, three people instead, you know, witness this going on. I almost texted this to you because my next notes are chaos, fire, boobs. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and everybody's trying to get out and they're like, and of course it's locked. And, and, and nobody can break a window, apparently. Glass front. Nobody can get out. And they're like piling <laughs> up. They're trampling over one another. Like bodies are just piling up. It's insane. The whole place is burning. They're even just shots of the dead bodies here and there up against the window. Pe- people smashed dead up there and i loved that shot you get an exterior shot with all the pandemonium because it's all glass front so you can mm-hmm. see all the pandemonium going on on inside and the the sign death spa like uh <laughs> yes it's great <laughs> so great so glorious and then Catherine. oh oh no <laughs> he michael's like i'll show her fried chicken no. <laughs> And he goes to like the electricity box. I cannot and figure this out. Take off his shoe. Takes off his shoes. Like, was he wearing tap shoes? Like, I don't <laughs> understand. Takes off his shoes and like hooks them up to the wires. And then like it's 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 almost like he's made his own defibrillator, but he puts his the paddles, which are his shoes, together and I guess somehow it electrocutes her. I I, I think she's like in the computer now. I don't I don't know what happened to David. 
I think it, well, I mean, she is David, right? So she's the same. But I think it's like, like he short-circuited the electrical path that leads straight to the computer. So like sparks start flying in the computer room and it's like she's almost struck by lightning or whatever. While he's standing there holding it together, like he's got to hold it together. And he himself seems to be getting electrocuted, right? It's like, yeah. And then he, he and Laura and the female cop, for some reason, need to get into the control room, even though she's burning. Mm-hmm. They need to get in there for some reason. And uh, <laughs> Michael's like, he's like, the computer locked the doors. And the detective stands back and pulls out her gun and says, fuck this computer shit. <laughs> shoots, <laughs> shoots the lock. And they go in there and and uh, Michael says, it's Catherine. She took over David's body. <laughs> and, and her burned up nasty look at corpse is motionless against the wall and they walk up to it and of course he says don't get too close and of course Catherine reaches up with her arm like the killers usually do at the end and David like almost casually pulls her arm off <laughs> right and then, well, meanwhile the cop just says wait a second and shoots in the head like three times which is hilarious. And then they all leave. And then Catherine is like completely burned up. She's just like a skeleton in goo. But she just says, nice try, Michael. And then like her eyeballs fall out. Goo squirts out of her eye. Yeah, freeze frame. And then the the closing song, Killer Groove, kicks on. That was seriously one of the wildest movies I've ever seen. It, uh, and, and it took a, a little while to get into it. Honestly, I was kind of scratching my head for the first half, maybe. Um, oh, man. 20 minutes in, and I was sold on it. Yeah, well, yeah, because all the boobs. Well, that's... <laughs> I, you texted me that. You texted me. I, just as I was getting ready to start watching it, you texted me, 20 minutes in, and I'm totally sold. And then in the first five minutes, there's a fully naked woman. I'm like, obviously, Todd. <laughs> it doesn't take that much, really. To get you on board. I'm a pretty simple man, really. But, <laughs> but, but no, honestly, like, it just had everything. It had the 80s. It had great soundtrack. It had that great opening camera shot. Of course, it had the boobs. It had ridiculous special effects that worked, that yeah. were fine, that were great. Insane gore. No apologies. I, I mean, and it was campy. Yeah. But they weren't playing it campy. No. And somehow this whole combination just... It really worked. I've never seen it quite like this before. It really did. I mean, it is. I would say that it's one of those movies that's so bad it's good. But also, and you mentioned this before, it it, it, it feels like they get it. It feels like they're in on the joke. Like they know what they're doing. Yeah. They're, they're not trying to make a, a classic. They're trying to make something schlocky. And it is schlocky. And it's super, super fun. It's just really fun to watch. I, I read afterwards that they've done this on the How Did This Get Made podcast. And I was so tempted to listen to it because that's one of my favorite podcasts. Not that we really need to plug other pods on ours, but I, I'm happy to plug theirs. They don't need it. They're all famous. No. <laughs> yeah. but, but it is. It's one of my favorite podcasts. And I can't... Uh, I can't wait to hear their episode on it, see what they had to say about it. And and then when I was um I was just looking for stuff and, and it came out on Blu-ray. It was only released in Japan initially. Uh and then I think it went straight to video here like a couple years later. And then eventually I think in like two thousand fourteen or something, they released it on either DVD or Blu-ray. I think Blu-ray, and there's a featurette. There's like a fifty minute long making of documentary. And so uh-huh. I was looking for that on YouTube and I couldn't find it. Um but I did find a it's not riff tracks, but it's a uh riff tracks type deal with guys just sitting and making fun of it and, and it was just clips, I think you have to subscribe to their Patreon if you want their full episodes, but there were uh, clips of them riffing on this movie, uh, and it was hilarious, and I laughed again. You know, this was an hour (laughs) after I had watched the movie, I laughed at all these same things again. If you want to have, you know, know, I, I know, Todd, you, with your friends when you were a teenager, used to have these, like, stupid movie nights this would be perfect perfect for that type of thing get together with your friends drink like five beers each (laughs) 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 and then and then put this movie in and just have fun like joke on it because it's worthy of it and i i just think it's so funny and so much fun i i laughed so hard so many times and that doesn't happen a lot no 
I mean, I watched this completely sober, which that doesn't ha- always happen. That doesn't <laughs> happen a lot. But uh, I-, I was just, I was just over the moon, happy with it. Laughed so hard, just could not believe it. Every subsequent scene just gives you another payoff. Uh huh. It just keeps moving. It's never boring. It's head scratching in a great way. It's my new, it's my new favorite bad movie that we've. And I'm not, and it's not even a bad movie. That's the thing. It's not bad. It is well made. And I, like you said, I would put it in that category of like Fred Decker, you know, where he's, where they made a campy movie, yeah. but they knew they were making it. That's why they made it this way. Right. Uh, and it's just fun from beginning to end, just absolute fun. And apparently it originally was going to get slapped with an X rating. I guess they had probably had to cut a couple boobs, probably more so on the violence, I'd imagine. Uh-huh to get the art. I, I wonder if that Blu-ray has some of the uncut scenes. I don't know. But but again, uh, listeners, it, it as of the time of this recording, it is streaming for free on Tubi and uh, I think Voodoo yes. and, and a couple of other platforms. Um, so even if you don't have a subscription, you can, you, can, you can find this. Check it out for free. Yeah, check it out for free. And you should. It's fun. If you need a pick-me-up, watch this movie. Well, it's going to be hard to top this, 2023. <laughs> well, it's it's pretty early on. I mean, I, I hope we see at least a couple other good ones this year. <laughs> the bar is high. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. You can find us just by Googling Two Guys and a Chainsaw Podcast. You can subscribe to us on our YouTube channel as well, uh, as well as anywhere that you like to listen to your favorite podcast. We're on all of those services. Find our Patreon at patreon.com com slash chainsaw podcast consider supporting our efforts here and you'll get a bunch of extra goodies we put out a couple mini sods every month we have some behind the scenes stuff we just generally chit chat with our patrons in the background and that's a lot of fun until next time i'm todd and i'm craig with two guys and a chainsaw (laughs) 